Welcome to Celebration Church Online. We are so glad that you've joined us. We want you to share this broadcast with as many people as you can. We believe that it will bless and encourage us all in this season. Remember to continue reaching out to your loved ones. Stay connected with each other, especially with your cell family. The Bible gives us a pattern to look out for one another. Let's speak His word and His strength will carry us through. Continue checking our social media platforms for updates on Facebook and WhatsApp. We encourage you to share this content with all your friends and family. Tune in to ZFM Radio Station every Sunday at 7.15pm for a time of devotion with Pastor Tom Deschel. During this lockdown and quarantine period, let's use this time wisely to strengthen relationships with family and friends. And if you're married, it's an opportunity for you to take time with your spouse and work on your marriage. We have lots of great material for married couples that will help you to get started. Just send a text or WhatsApp with the word marriage to the numbers on the screen and we will send you the material directly. If you are also facing any problem in your marriage, please send a message to the same numbers requesting for assistance or contact our call center and our marriage counselors will assist you. As a church, we're about people and if you need help or prayer or just someone to talk to, we're here for you. Call into our call center using the numbers on the screen or alternatively, send a call me back message and somebody will call you right back. Remember, you are not alone and we know that together we will get through this season. So good to be with you today. I am bringing you the first of a two-part series. Uh, this is entitled, As in the Days of Noah. So open your Bibles with me and let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2-6. through 6. It says this, it says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor are we of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Another passage of scripture in Luke chapter 17, verse 24 says, For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven shines unto the other part under heaven, so shall the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. And they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be 
in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So verses 26 and 30 speak of Noah and of Lot. And it says, it'll be just the same as it was in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot. You see, when we study Jesus and we study the Bible, uh, we have to look for patterns, we have to look for principles. And these patterns and principles are what guide us, they direct us. Many people look for signs and wonders, but God tells you and I as believers to look for patterns and principles through the scriptures and to live our lives by those. So today I'm asking you to help me look at the patterns and principles that we're going to see in Noah, and then in Next week, we're going to see the patterns and principles we see in the story in the life of Lot. I think this will help you and I live the kind of life that God wants us to live in these end times. So let's, let's delve in, and I want to start by looking at, first of all, Jesus, and then we'll look at Noah. So Jesus was shown to the world, or maybe revealed in his glory to his disciples uh, on a number of occasions. The, the, the first time was at the Mount of Transfiguration. Three of his disciples uh, see him in his glory with Moses and with Elijah. And God commends Jesus to them and says, listen to him. Uh, the, the other time, uh, earlier, was when he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And God, his voice came, a dove, the, the picture of the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And uh, we hear, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, just as it was then, it is today. There were many people that had no idea what was really going on. They didn't get it. They didn't get who that was or what was happening. And that's why the message of John the Baptist was so strong. His message was, repent. Jesus picks up the same mantra, comes out and says, repent for the day of the Lord is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God has come. You see, there was a revealing of Jesus at his first coming that was prophetic, and it was tangible, but it required the people who followed Jesus to adjust some things in their lives. You see, our whole world and their whole world was focused on their lives and what was happening in their world and in the world. So what does Jesus do? Well, he comes and he begins to call disciples. And what do they do? Well, the Bible says that they leave their worldly businesses and their worldly interests to follow him. He calls them from fishing businesses, from tax collecting, from politics, from every walk of life. And he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Follow me. See, when the days of Noah and the days of Lot intersect, when what is happening in both of those days is happening again in the earth, I believe that this is a, a sign, if not the sign, that Jesus is going to return. The second, the second coming of Christ is upon us. I believe that his return is imminent. It says in verse 27, They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Until the day. Whew. I'll tell you what, until the day, people are just going to be living their lives. They're going to be living just the way they've always lived, right up until the time Jesus returns. So this morning, I want to look at some of the conditions 
that I believe were indicators of the days of Noah and are indicators of the day that we live in, the day of the Lord. Uh, let's see if there's any storm clouds around us. Genesis 6. This is where the story of Noah is spoken of in detail. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. Well, we can just stop right there. Uh, are men multiplying on the face of the earth? The word multiply means to cause to increase greatly in quantity. To cause to increase greatly in quantity. Well, we've seen a huge increase in the population of the earth. In fact, many people are panicking and saying that the only hope for the world is for man to eradicate a great number of his fellow men. And that's for the good of us all. The only problem is, is that there seems to be a ruling class that has taken it upon themselves to make that decision, and usually in their own best interests. According to the WHO, we've seen the abortion of 11 million babies since January of this year. 50 to 60 million babies are aborted annually around the world. Think about it. That's about 125,000 people per day. And those are only the cases that are reported. The Bible goes on to say, at the, at the end of that verse, it says, and, the, and daughters were born unto them. Daughters were born unto them. Verse 2 says that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair, and they took them as wives of all which they chose. You know, we're living in an age that is a taking age. We take whatever we want. We just take it. Uh, I think that it's a dangerous age. Verse 3 goes on to say, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. That's where we get the promise of 120 years of life. That was before, uh, that was before Noah. Uh, but the word strive there, God says, I will not always strive with man. It means to wrestle against or to wrestle with. Today, there's a spiritual resistance to the things of God. Uh, the love of many has grown cold. We've become lovers of our own selves. We've become lovers of comfort, lovers of pleasure. We're not wanting to do the hard things. We want to live a comfortable life. We want this sense of entitlement that, hey, things should come easily to us. We shouldn't have to labor, especially in spiritual things. The Bible speaks of a time like this, and it speaks of a persecution that would come. Look at Noah. He preached for 120 years. No one wanted to get into the ark. This is the biggest thing that was ever being built. Can you imagine? I can imagine what the people said about Noah. Ha! He's been building that thing for 120 years. Nothing's happened. Isn't that what people are saying today about the return of Jesus? Ah, we've been talking about that for 2,000 years. Nothing's happened. Let me tell you something. God's mercy does have an expiration date. Verse 4 goes on to say, There were giants, that is Nephilim, in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of man came in to, unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became giants, or mighty men, which were men of renown and men of old. Strong's definition of a Nephilim is someone who is, or has a talent, or a bully. A bully. One 
who intentionally seeks to harm or intimidate one that they see as being vulnerable. Now, there have always been bullies in the earth, but today it's on another level. We have a few voices that are intimidating and silencing the majority of people. Where are the people? Oh, they're fearful. They're asleep. The Nephilim are a few people that have too much power over the rest of the people. This is historical. Joseph Stalin murdered more than 34 million people in Russia. Mao Zedong, even more people in China. Of course, Adolf Hitler, 6 million Jews. But bullying is related to the spirit of Antichrist. It's a spirit that seeks to control, to control populations, society, families, media, churches, governments, whatever. It tries to control everything. This is what is happening in our nation right now. Where people are afraid to voice an opinion, to say anything contrary to the mainstream narratives for fear of being bullied into submission. Fear is one of the driving forces behind this. People don't want to stand up to corruption and corrupt politicians for fear of the state machinery being released against them. The court system is broken, and the elite can commit crimes with impunity, knowing that they'll never be held accountable. We find ourselves not wanting to help other people, especially strangers. Why? Well, for fear of being falsely accused. If I get involved, maybe I become implicated. So we only end up thinking about ourselves. Many believers are afraid to speak up about the Lord Jesus Christ, lest they become identified with Him, publicly humiliated maybe. They don't want to be identified with Christ and Christianity for fear of reprisal or the opinions of those who have begun to forsake God and forsake godliness. So there's a restriction of free speech. Of free speech. There's a, an intolerance of other people's opinions. Oh, if you have an idea or an opinion that doesn't track with the mainstream, you're now considered dangerous. You're a conspiracy theorist. And you're coming up against groupthink. The people that are full of groupthink that have already become brainwashed or have their minds controlled, those who have become non-thinking, the fearful, they'll beat you into submission through bullying, bullying through social media, ostracization. You know, you aren't going to be part of the in crowd. You see, we're misusing language today. We're calling quarantine something and it's not. We, it's really house arrest. Quarantine, until this virus, was for those who were sick. We're not social distancing. What, what is that? There's nothing about uh, social, about being forced into isolation. We're telling people that they're safer at home. But the increase in domestic violence and abuse in the home is proving that this is not true. Many of our homes are anything but safe. Oh, we keep using the mantra that this is for the greater good. Listen, I can tell you this. No good can ever come when government chooses who's essential and who isn't. Every single person and every single business is essential. If it's your business, it's essential to your family. And every person in your business is essential. And above all, this idea that this is the new normal. There's nothing normal about any of this. Anyway, I digress. Verse 5, here in Genesis chapter 6, it says, And God saw that 
the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What this is speaking of is unhindered moral corruption and perversion. How bad does it have to get for the Lord to say, enough? You see, Noah and the flood was an enough statement. There comes a time when it is enough. I believe that there's an enough day approaching. Romans chapter 1, you all know this verse, verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19 goes on to say, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. For the invisible things of him who from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. See, you and I are without excuse. The Bible tells us. We can see everything in his creation. We're not without excuse. He goes on to say, because of that, when they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. Neither were they thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made unto the likeness of corruptible men and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to the uncleanness of their own hearts through lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. They changed the truth of God into a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forevermore. And the Bible says amen. And I say amen to that too. The corruption around our world is a great threat to all of mankind. There's a spirit of lawlessness that has been unleashed on the earth and in this country. And unless you participate in it, you're hated. What would cause our government to bring destruction to homes and kiosks in the middle of this national crisis? And this is a crisis that we admittedly are unable to manage if it ever comes. I haven't seen the crisis yet. We've only had four deaths. 30, at the time of this preaching, 37 to 40 people that have had the virus. But yet we're still being shut down as a whole country. We're being told to quarantine. Quarantine until the virus. Until, uh, quarantine until this virus, as I said earlier, was only for sick people and for the vulnerable. But we're now changing the definition to say it's locked down for everyone. This is a form of martial law. It's a form of control. What is happening while everybody's at home? What's going on out there? Well, we've seen municipal police go into our neighborhoods and have begun to wreck the livelihoods and tear down makeshift homes. You see, we created a terrible situation for the people of this country. Then we pushed them into untenable situations. People are trying and have been forced to try anything to survive. This isn't the fault of the people. It's because of the policies and the mismanagement of our nation. Oh, but that doesn't deter those in authority. They find this is the time to launch the second wave of Murambachina. My question, why does this always happen at the beginning of winter? 
You see, this is wickedness. This is moral corruption. This is the loss of respect and compassion for people and for life. Verse 6, the Bible says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. Verse 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God repented for making man. Jump down to verse 11. Genesis 6 and verse 11 says, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. That word earth is an amazing word. It's E-R-E-T-Z, earth in Hebrew. And it means the ground or the land itself. Did you know that in our country, agriculture, in fact, all around the world, agriculture is at risk? 50% of our topsoils have been lost. A recent report in an agricultural magazine said, in Zimbabwe, we're destroying our soils through overuse, mismanagement of our farms. Indigenous tobacco farmers are chopping down trees to cure their tobacco at the expense of our forests and causing our lands to both degrade and laterize and erode at levels that we've never been able to imagine before. The amount of chemicals and poisons that we have used has affected wildlife, our water. We go on to read in verse 12, and the Bible says some terrible words. It says, in God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Phew! If that doesn't depict our day today, I don't know what does. There's a rapid increase of extreme violence. This is a sign that we're living at the end of time, as in the days of Noah. Think of this. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He preached and he built an ark for 120 years. And God would have made room for everyone if they'd repented. But they refused to, to repent. In fact, they despised God. And they despised Noah. No one would listen. Did God shut them out of the ark? Some people say, oh, God was so mean. No, God didn't shut them out of the ark. You see, they shut themselves out of the ark. They didn't even try to get in until the door was closed. When does enough show up in our generation? You know, there comes a time when the cup of iniquity is full. The Bible says when that cup is filled, then the end will come. For many... When that day comes, it'll be too late. So Matthew 24, verses 37 and 38 says, But as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Let me just close with these thoughts. One of the things that we cannot be looking to if we're going to be God's prophetic people on this earth is having a worldly approach to the days that we're living in. The attitude that those who perished 
in Noah's time had was an approach that said, business as usual. I have people saying to me, oh, I can't wait till we get past the coronavirus so that we can go back to business as usual. I believe this is the chance for those of us who are led by the Spirit to listen to what God is saying and hear about new paradigms, new inventions, different ways of doing things. This isn't the time to go back to business as usual. I think that we can see just how bankrupt the worldly ideas of our day and our age really are. This has given us time to lift up our heads and look at what's going on around us. The COVID crisis is an alarm. It's meant to wake you and to wake me up. But if we're just thinking we can go back asleep when it's all over, then what is this all for? I hear people saying, I just want to go back to normal. Folks, this is the end times. This is not just going back to living and eating and drinking and marrying. We have to take on an eternal perspective. I felt like the Holy Spirit saying to me that we have to begin to be spiritual in our thinking. We have to begin to think about spiritual things, not just earthly, natural things. I hear somebody saying, oh, pastor, don't try to scare us. Let's talk about the end times. They've been saying this for 2,000 years. I don't know. Have you ever really been in a really deep sleep? Or have you ever found yourself in one of those situations where you have to set an alarm and your body's so tired that you either sleep through the alarm or you end up fighting the alarm clock? It's amazing to me. The more asleep that you are, the more you revolt and resist the alarm clock. So it is with people. This COVID crisis is an alarm. It's to wake us up to our spiritual need of God and to his power and why we need his answers in our lives. Here in Matthew, verse 39 says, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That's how it's going to be at the coming of the Son of Man. Nobody knows what's going on. They're just living their lives blind to spiritual things, blind to what's going on in the spiritual realm until the Son of Man comes. Are you and I willing to be an alarm? Are you willing to be an annoyance to those who are asleep? Because I think that the season of enough is upon us. Can we speak the word of God without compromise? Will we fear God more than we fear man? You see, we're in a divine moment. People are fearful. And I think people are fearful of the wrong thing, to be honest with you. People are fearful of a virus. But I'm telling you that there is an eternal death and an eternal life that is hanging in the balance. Many just want to return to normal. Among many of our medical people, fear is tangible. The information, the misinformation, the disinformation around this virus is more deadly than the virus itself. I'm shocked at our response. Can we be a people who will not react in the flesh, but respond in the spirit? Can we respond according to the spirit of God in the moment of this crisis, this plague, this epidemic? See, we must recognize what we are up against. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. God's releasing an alarm in the earth. Will we be able to catch it? Or will we just wait until things return to normal?
Let me, let me explain something about the church. You know, the Bible talks about there'll be two kinds of churches in the world at the end of the times. There'll be a harlot church, a harlot bride, and there'll be the bride of Christ. I believe that the bride of Christ is arising right now in these end times. Both are arising at the same time, the harlot church and the bride of Christ. How will you know the harlot bride? Well, she's the one who's marrying herself to the world. She's going to look like the world, act like the world. There'll be no distinction between the harlot bride and the world. The bride of Christ, on the other hand, will be separate, set apart. will be looking to please her lover, her bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Things like holiness, prayer, righteousness, caring one for another, genuine relationships and love will be how she's distinguished. You see, in the days of Noah, people were mindful of the things of this earth. They were not taking notice of the spiritual. It was all about living on earth, planting and building. Isn't it amazing? Planting and building never says anything about harvesting and reaping. They were planning for their future on earth. There was absolutely no awareness of an eternal realm. I, I love what Hebrews 11 and verse 7 says. It's uh, the story of Noah in the hall of faith. It says, by faith, Noah, when he when warned about things yet not seen. That's faith. You don't see it. In holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By his, it says, then it goes on to say, by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Whew. My last points. I believe that God is helping us to create arcs, arcs of God's presence. These things are going to, these arcs are going to emerge, and I believe that they're going to penetrate households. Noah was able to save his household. He was able to save his family. I think we're in a season where God wants to reset our bearings, use our spiritual compass, and help us find true north again as a church, and as families. You see, the church was never supposed to be a place for the entertainment of people or where you came to have some kind of experience or to make people feel like they'll be okay if they're just good and if they do some religious exercise. No. The church is made up of households. It is families of people seeking God together, desiring to live in a way that promotes blessing, fellowship, prosperity, Lives live together. I believe that God wants the church to come back into the home and our homes to join together to form the church. Some of you as parents, in fact, many of our parents, have, abdic have abdicated their responsibility in, our, in their homes. They've left the training of their children to maids and to servants, to boarding schools or just schools in general. They want Sunday schools to train their children spiritually and youth groups when they get a little older. They've been absentee parents. Too busy with this world. Too busy making money. Too busy getting ahead in life. During this COVID shutdown, many parents have had to face themselves. God is giving us a chance to rebuild the relationships, build bridges, become parents. Take our rightful place as the priests in our homes and lead our families into the ark and to save them from this world and the worldly expressions that we've allowed to infiltrate our homes and our relationships, our marriages, our families, our friendships, our business dealings. Ultimately, it's affected our government and our whole society.
you know, I'm dealing with many parents that are afraid to speak to their children. In fact, they just sit around all day watching in their televisions and playing video games and doing whatever they do on their phones and their apps and iPads and iPods, whatever. <laughs> the levels of frustration and disconnect in the home rises and falls around any conversation or interaction with those present in the home. The art of listening to each other, understanding and speaking to learn and appreciate one another has been broken. Ah, forget social distancing in public. It pales to the social distancing in our homes and families. See, God wants to break in. He's desiring that we will build arcs away from this worldliness. He wants us to have an awareness of him and his presence and an awareness of what, about, of what he wants to do and what he's about to do in the earth. Now, I think some of you have had a wake-up call. I think you're waking up. Some of you may not go back to business as usual. You're seeing what the miseducation of your children in the worldly systems of education has done to their attitudes and their personalities. And you're thinking about a reset. Let me tell you something. Homeschooling is an option and can become an arc for your children. I know how important a Christian worldview is and a Christian education is. It's important. I've always taught, and I believe it more today than I ever have before, that education is good. But education from on high is better. But having both is best. I think the day of university for all of our children may need to be rethought. You were seeing a great falling away from the faith. 73% of people that once had faith and go to university fall away from the faith. We're sending our children especially to these liberal arts colleges, and their minds are being filled with the vain philosophies of this world and of this age. Now, unless your child is going to learn a hard science, <laughs> by the way, even our hard sciences have been corrupted, but unless they're going to go learn a hard science, I would, I would think twice about sending them to university. I would recommend that you make sure that they all know how to work with their own hands. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 28. They get some kind of skill, they get some, some kind of a trade that gives them basic understanding of how the world works. They should be able to fall back on something that can sustain them in times like the ones we're living in. We're suffering under leaders today that have their minds filled with academic book learning, but they've never built anything. They've never done anything with their own hands. These are people who are willing to take your businesses for themselves or pass laws and regulations to enrich themselves or control your livelihoods and finances, often for their own gain. Yet they have no idea of the ramifications of their decisions on the average man who's working to make a living for his family. God wants to bring a revival in families. I believe family businesses will begin to be formed and will begin to flourish. I think we'll find a way to do things together with our own hands. Finally, as I close today, I'm going to ask you to open your homes, open your hearts, and open your mouths. You 
and your home represent an ark for many people to be saved during this time. I don't think it's a coincidence that they want us to put masks on in the season of pay, the season that we're supposed to be speaking. Silence everybody. Put a mask on everybody. There's a lot of information that says these masks don't really protect us. In fact, sometimes they might even hurt us. I think it's important that we understand that we're in a spiritual warfare. It's time for you and I to put our hearts together. Seek God with our whole heart. Seek spiritual things. Seek the things that are above. We still have to live in this world. I understand that. But this cannot be our focus as in the days of Noah. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I'm praying right now for our congregation. I'm praying now for anyone who's listening to this message today. I'm asking, Father, that your spirit would begin to stir us, awake us out of our sleep, out of our slumber, out of our stupor. Father, cause us to become your bride, the bride of Christ. Help us to create arcs of refuge for our families, for those around us. Keep us. Guide us. Let your peace remain upon us. Challenge our hearts to godliness. Help us to repent so that we don't miss our opportunity. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And God bless you. Thank you for joining us online. We hope and trust that you've been blessed by this service. Stay connected with us through our social media platforms, Facebook and WhatsApp. And tune into ZFM radio station later today at 7.15 p.m. Central African time for devotions with Pastor Tom DeShell. As we go, stay safe, stay blessed, stay connected.